Welcome to Talkin' Truth with comedian Dan Whitney, a.k.a. Larry the Cable Guy, and Pastor Brian Clark. Today they welcome their guest, Pastor Nat Crawford. One of my kids had made a decision, and there were some real consequences to their decision. But I realized this was a moment that he could experience the same grace of God that I had been given time and time again. And so, and what that did, he showed him grace. And then he went and beat his other kid for the sins of the other Right. They'll be talking truth about the Bible and life and having a little fun. Get her done. Now, here's Dan. Hey, this is Dan Whitney, a.k.a. Larry the Cable Guy, get her done. Hey, listen, this is an awesome podcast. I'm with my buddy Brian Clark. Pastor Brian Clark and my buddy Nat Crawford. Pastor Nat. You're a pastor, All right. too. Yeah, I've got on. two pastors in here. What? Look up. Lord's coming back. Look up. Larry the Cable Guy with two pastors. <laughs> what in the world's going on? Hey, this is a great podcast for anybody that wants to learn about Jesus and not religion, who wants to learn about Jesus and get a little hope. Brian tells us a story. He reads us a little lesson here out of Genesis Today's title is The Younger Gets the Older, and we're doing a series called Unwavering Faith. Now listen, just listen to what he's saying, and we're going to talk about it. So regardless if you're new here or you've heard us before, if you go, "Ah, I don't want to sit through a five-minute story, the story is very relevant to our lives, and we're going to talk about it afterwards. So I understand that Brian talks low-key, kind of monotonous, but give him a chance. (laughs) Would you give give the guy a chance? He's a good guy. So... Let's listen to him do his deal. All right, here we go. You really know Brian, don't right? you? Right? I can't even argue with that. It's oh true. Mr. Personality, here we go. You know, my experience has been that some people really struggle to connect the dots between their choices and the consequences of those choices. Many people have sat in my office after years of poor choices, and they say something like, why would God do this to me? Well, why is it God's fault? But, then, but I haven't been in your office now for Not three recently. <laughs> but why is it God's fault? Why do we blame God for the messes we make? Choices have consequences. It's a lesson our friend Jacob had to learn the hard way. We are in Genesis 29. Jacob had a powerful encounter with God, but he still has a lot to learn. Mainly, what does it mean to trust God? We don't know much about the 500-mile journey to Haran. The story picks up again with Jacob at a well, about to meet his future wife, Rachel. The scene at the well reminds us of when Abraham's servant went to the well to find a wife for Isaac. However, there's one big difference in the two scenes. Abraham's servant was constantly seeking God's direction and guidance. God clearly directed him to Rebekah. However, in this scene, there is no mention of Jacob seeking God's help. Jacob seemed determined to do this himself. Jacob had a meaningful encounter with God at Bethel. There's no question he was trying to do the right thing, but he had so much to learn about what it meant to trust God. Jacob met Rachel, the daughter of Laban. If you remember, Laban was the brother of Rebekah, Isaac's wife. Laban and his father got very rich off what Abraham was willing to pay for Rebekah. So it's likely he had dollar signs in his eyes now that Jacob wanted Rachel. But there's a problem. When Abraham sent his servant to find a wife for Isaac, he loaded him up with what he needed to purchase a bride. The whole transaction was prayed over and committed to God. Jacob arrived with nothing. He fled home because his brother wanted to kill him. 
because his mother had deceived his father to get the blessing. You can see how one bad decision led to another. He found a wife, but had nothing with which to purchase her. So Jacob and Laban made a deal. Jacob will work for Laban for seven years, and in return, Laban will give him Rachel to be his wife. We are told that Rachel had an older sister named Leah, but he wanted Rachel. So Jacob worked seven years for Laban, but they seemed like only a few days because of his love for Rachel. After seven years, Laban seemed a bit hesitant to give Jacob his daughter, so Jacob had to insist that he keep his end of the deal. At this point, we start to get a bad feeling. Okay, Laban gave in through a wedding party, and that night gave Jacob his daughter. Remember, it's night, it's dark, and Jacob had probably done his share of celebrating through the day. The bride is veiled, and they go into the tent to consummate the marriage. The next morning, Jacob woke up, and to his horror, he realized Laban had tricked him. He gave him Leah rather than Rachel. When confronted, Laban tells him it's not their custom to marry the younger before the firstborn. Laban had deceived him. He then offered Jacob Rachel, but he'd have to work seven more years for her. In this moment, Jacob saw himself. Laban did to him what he had done to his father and brother. He felt the anger and frustration that Esau must have felt. Now he's married to one woman he truly loves and another he never really wanted. You can see this is going to be a mess. Think how different all this could have been if Jacob and his mother, Rebekah, would have just trusted God instead of deceiving Isaac. He could have planned a trip with the necessary resources to purchase a wife. Now, because of his own bad choices, he is a slave to a man who deceived him, just like he deceived his own father and brother. I wonder if Jacob ever wrestled with the question, why would God do this to me? Of course, the answer is obvious. God didn't do this to Jacob. Jacob did this to himself. Jacob may have had the best of motives. He may have been trying to do the right thing, but he did not yet understand what it meant to trust God. Maybe this is what it would take for Jacob to change his ways. Well, time will tell. What we do know is if Jacob had trusted God, he would not be in the mess he's in. It's a lesson most of us have to learn the hard way. So let's bring in Dan and Nat. Let's talk about this. Because why do you think so many people struggle to connect the dots between their choices and the misery they experience in life? Well, I think some people make bad choices just because uh, they're looking for a good time and they don't think about the consequences of what they're doing. And it gets them in these horrible situations. I think that's, that's the case for a lot of, a lot of people. You know, being sinful is not good for you. I think we can all agree on that. And there's a price to pay for being sinful. I have a friend of mine, you know, he was just a hard partying guy. It was fun to be around, you know, (laughs) but now he's in pretty bad shape. I always say, well, you know what? It's always fun to do that and to do that and to do that and to do that. But at some point, you got to cash the check. And when it's time to cash the check... You don't want to cash the check. Mm. And sure enough, you know, everybody else got blamed for the situations. Mm. Sins, obviously, it's fun because it's sin. So obviously, those things are going to get you in trouble if Mm. you know you shouldn't do them. Mm. I think that's the cause of a lot of things. And don't you think, you see this pattern in the Bible, you see this pattern in everyday life, that one choice then leads to the next choice, which leads to the next choice, which is Jacob's story 
Right. It, and it just keeps uh, well, compounding. It, it just gets worse and worse. And it can be anything. I mean, jealousy will lead you to do something that you shouldn't normally do because you're just jealous of sure. somebody. And that leads you into a situation. Proverbs lays out a great line of things that we should do to improve our lives and help us live great lives. And obviously, it's correct because they're all in there. Jealousy and and, and anger and be slow to anger and no be jealous. It tells you not to do things, but where we do those things. And therefore it gets us in a mess. And then we blame God for those messes, even though he's got an entire book about how to avoid those things. But we still do those things. You know, I've been a pastor almost 40 years, and it still kind of confuses me of how many people can't seem to connect the dots. They just can't seem to understand that their choices have led to their misery. But until you understand that, there's no way out of that hole until you're willing to face that. That's why we're doing this series. Like last week we talked about when you follow Jesus and you put on your Bible goggles and you start to learn and you start to follow him, you can avoid a lot of those situations because now you're connecting dots. The Bible is the marker to connect the dots. <laughs> you want to make sure you get the right marker. But yeah, th that's why they don't connect the dots. They don't have the truth. Well, a lot of it's responsibility, right? I mean, if you actually take responsibility for the state of affairs, it's pretty daunting and pretty overwhelming. And there's usually no quick way out. You know, a lot of people will get into a life situation and first inclination, okay, discredit, don't believe it, dismiss it. They pass the blame. It's not my fault. It's their fault. It's God's fault. Again, pass the blame. It doesn't really exist. But at some point, as Dan was saying, the check has got to be cashed. And then it's despair. There's no hope. And so then they've got a choice to, to make. Are they willing to own up to their issues, to the decisions and the consequences, and what are they going to do about it? I think some people come to Jesus as a quick fix or a magic pill. It's a silver bullet. The reality is when you come to Jesus, he does wipe the sin slate clean. There is no more shame. There is no more guilt. But you still live with the consequences of today. And I think that's why a lot of people avoid it, because they view that as cheap. But the reality is, when you carry no more guilt and no more pain, you still hold responsibility for your decisions. But those eternal consequences are gone. It actually, I think, helps you face the reality of today much better, and you can begin to find a pathway forward. But it's still not going to be easy. Yeah, I, I would say I can tell typically in five minutes in a conversation with someone if it's likely things are going to change or continue down the same path just by the conversation. There's such a difference between people that reach a point of brokenness mm. and own their part in their misery because that's the first step in starting to make different decisions. Mm -hmm. You can tell pretty quick if somebody's going to blame everybody else, it's everybody else's fault, and they're not going to own it. Right. And so they're just going to keep making the same bad decisions, and it's just going to go from bad to worse. It's almost like I, I might as well schedule you for another appointment in <laughs> six months because nothing's going to change. Just imagine how great the world would be if everybody owned up mm -hmm. to their bad decisions right. and took a, took ownership of it. Hmm. Nobody does that. Right. Of course, we're in a fallen world, so obviously they're not going to do that. But you know, It's a huge problem, though. 
Absolutely. But if you know Jesus, you own up to those things. And then you start new. You know, you're forgiven. you, You know what? You did a bad thing. This is the consequences. You own up to it and you move on and you start on again. You fall down, you pick up. That's that's the great thing about true Christianity. You're following Jesus. And I think part of what we can do as Christians is display that to the world around us to extend God's grace and mercy that he's given to us. Yeah, yeah, but, a lot of pe- yeah but a lot of people are idiots. <laughs> that's true. <laughs> but I don't know about you, but I know I sure have been in my own life. Maybe a while back, one of my kids had made a decision, and there were some real consequences to their decision. I confronted him on it, and at first he made excuses backed up, and I said, I want you to know something. There is nothing that you've done, and there is nothing that you can do that will change my love and my care for you. Because chances are, what you've done, I've already done 10 times over. Even if that wasn't true, I love you no matter what. Let's own it, let's address it, and then let's move forward together. It was a teachable moment that could have easily gone south real quickly. Because I wanted to go south. I wanted to react. But I realized this was a moment that he could experience the same grace of God that I had been given time and time again. Still consequences, but it was wrapped in care, concern, and freedom from guilt. What a great opportunity. And so, and what that did, he showed him grace. And then he went and he beat his other kid. Oh, I beat the the tar out of him. For the sins of the other kid. Right. You like that? You like that? Right. You know, you think about, so we're in Genesis, go all the way back to Genesis 3, and that's exactly what happens when Adam and Eve sin, God comes knocking. That's what Adam says, not my fault, it's the woman that you gave me, Mm -hmm. that's the problem. And then the woman, of course, says, well, it's the serpent, that's the problem. It's Mm -hmm. like, this is nothing new. So let me shift the conversation just a little bit. So I think Jacob was sincere. I think he's really trying to do the right thing. Right. But he hasn't yet learned how to trust God. So as a result of that, he ends up making these bad decisions, and he makes a mess of things. So do you think really sincere people who really desire to do the right thing can make bad choices because they have more fear than faith? Absolutely. There's a lot of well, good-intended people that are just scared to take that jump of faith. They're scared to do it. It's like Peter on the boat, you know. Is he going to walk out there? You know, they're out on that water. And, mm-hmm. and he started getting on the water and then took his eyes off Jesus because he got freaked out. And that was it. Mm-hmm. And, you know, Jesus had to get him out of there. But he started to do it and then just lost confidence. And, yeah, so people definitely get into a different situation. And, and I get it. We all do that. But like I said, if you're a follower of Jesus— you own up to it and try and do better next time. Yeah. You, you know, know that's all back you to can Rebecca. Do. Rebecca knew that the promise should go to Jacob, but she also knew that Isaac was going to try to bless Esau. She should have just left it alone mm-hmm. and not deceived her husband and let God work it out. I think she was trying to do the right thing, but what she did was out of fear. So then all of a sudden you've got Esau so mad at Jacob, he's going to kill him. Jacob has to flee. And then it's just this series of decision. It'll be 20 years before Jacob makes it back after fleeing. So I do think sincere people that are controlled by their fears can make really bad choices because they're unwilling to wait and to trust God Mm -hmm. to do the right thing. 
And it happens to everybody. Sure it does. I mean, I'm sure it happens to you still. Oh, wow. I want to hear this story, Brian. <laughs> Do tell. Do tell. Yeah, well, you're right. It does. It happens to all of us. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's a, that's a tough thing. I mean, that's why there's stories about it in the Bible, to let us know we're not the only ones that had a hard time stepping out on faith. But again, the more that you stay engaged and listen to the words of God and follow Jesus, the more sanctified you get and you get better and better. You're never going to be perfect. You're not always going to go, ah, you know what? I'm stepping out. Hmm. It's not always going to happen, but you'll get better at it. You got to stick to it. Yeah, I would encourage you, don't let your past determine your future, right? Our past does not follow us if we're a follower of Christ. By his grace, today's a new day and tomorrow's a fresh start. And so God's grace truly is sufficient. So know that no matter where you're at, what decisions you've made, yeah, consequences can follow. But you have a great opportunity today and tomorrow to do something for God's kingdom in faith. Absolutely. Every day is a new day. Let's go. Thanks for listening to Talkin' Truth with Dan, Brian, and their guest, Pastor Nat. Before we go, be sure to request your copy of Brian's book, Unwavering Faith. This powerful resource follows the life of Jacob and helps you see what it means to live by faith, not by fear. Get your copy of Unwavering Faith at TalkinTruth.com. That's talk, the letter N, truth.com.